Hello and welcome to the Medical Humanities Podcast, the official podcast of BMJ's Medical Humanities Journal. We invite you to listen in and join the conversation from academic discussions happening in our journal to interviews with filmmakers and artists and global perspectives on health and medicine from around the world. Stay up to date with public discussions that matter to medicine and to the humanities because life happens at the intersections. Hello and welcome to this edition of uh, Medical Humanities podcast uh, series. Uh, this is Khalid Ali, the film and media correspondent at Medical Humanities Journal. It's a great pleasure to have Matt Jackson, who is the uh, London office um, uh, director of the UNFPA, uh, the United Nations Population Fund uh, Agency. Uh, Matt, it's great to have you here today, and I would like you to tell us about uh, your organization, how long you've been in this uh, uh, post, and your vision and statement for the UNFPA around the world. Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me to be part of your uh, Medical Humanities series. UNFPA, the United Nations Population Fund, is the UN's sexual and reproductive health agency. And we have three key goals that we're aiming to deliver by 2030, three zeros. And that's to get to zero preventable maternal deaths, zero unmet need for family planning, and zero sexual and gender-based violence and harmful practices. Those three zeros by 2030 to align with the time frame for the Sustainable Development Goals are really what UNFPA is all about. Uh, We have 155 country offices around the world, predominantly in the Global South, and that's where we focus our efforts and our programmes and our resources. We focus them where needs are greatest, and we use a a range of different criteria to uh, better understand where needs are greatest so that we can focus on ensuring rights and choices. I opened the London office in January 2017, which is when I joined UNFPA, Um, and my work in the UK is predominantly around the political partnerships and advocacy work. And I work with my colleagues around the world in our country and regional offices to promote the voices and rights and choices of women and girls, predominantly those who are the most vulnerable and the most marginalised. Great, great introduction, Matt. And this is a a big uh, statement and a big mission. Tell tell me about the how the organisation started. I understand that started in nineteen sixty nine. You're celebrating fifty years um, of its uh, inception and uh, a bit about the sustainable development goals. Yes, and absolutely, this is our fiftieth anniversary this year, so we're very excited about that. Um, And it's also um, an important year for us as we're celebrating 25 years of the International Conference on Population and Development, ICPD, for short as the acronym. The ICPD in Cairo in 1994 was where 173 countries came together and for the first time declared sexual and reproductive health as a human right and also said that Uh, women's economic empowerment was a prerequisite for sustainable development. So those promises that were made in Cairo in 1994 by those 173 countries were incredibly important and a real turning point for the rights of women and girls around the world. So we're celebrating the progress that has been made in the last 25 years, um, but also 
galvanising the world around the unfinished business of that agenda. We know that there are still 214 million women and girls who want to but cannot access modern contraceptives. We know that by 2030, 68 million girls are at risk of FGM. Every year, 2 million girls under 18 are married. Um, so there's still a huge amount of work to do, still a lot of unfinished business. And that's why we are inviting everyone to Nairobi, Kenya, from the 12th to 14th of November this year, where we will bring together governments, civil society, private sector, youth advocates, uh, all our allies um, and friends to help champion the rights and choices of everyone. Uh, and hopefully they will all come with some very positive uh, political will and financial commitments to finish the unfinished business of this agenda. Uh, so a lot of your work depends on, on, on statistics and figures and working with the uh, public health uh, teams and so forth. So tell me about the, the figures that you're always uh, collecting, getting all this information to inform the programs you have around the world. So this is a... Uh, uh, a huge mammoth undertaking to do this. So how do you go about this working with the different uh, offices around the world? Uh, you being based in London as a representative of the UNFPA. Well, data is hugely important to our work and we put a lot of effort and energy into collecting and analysing data. We do a lot of work um, with countries on uh, their national census. We're part of the uh, 2020 census round. Um, and we've also uh, made sure that we use new technologies as part of our data and census work. Um, for example, we use geo-reference spatial mapping so that we can um, uh, get better data, especially in areas where it is more difficult to obtain data. Um, and this is useful as well in lots of other parts of our work. So, for example, we've done some of the geo-referencing uh, um, data work where you can map where people are in Nepal. And then after the earthquake, we knew where um, pregnant women had moved to because of the, uh, the crisis and the disaster there. So rather than... Uh, uh, sort of individuals fleeing to a, an area of safety and then having to trek another large distance to a medical centre, we could actually get the medical units to them. Nice. So we could use this new modern technology um, aligned with our data work to actually make it easier um, for pregnant women to receive the medical care and attention that they needed. Um, you also mentioned the Sustainable Development Goals, yeah. so we should talk a bit about that. The yeah. 17 goals and uh, 169 targets. Um, sexual and reproductive health and rights is a key part of two of those targets. Goal 5 focuses on gender equality. Goal 3 focuses on health. And a lot of the other goals actually do intersect and interlink with rights and choices um, for everyone. So we're very much at the forefront of championing the Sustainable Development Goals and working with our partners on the ground, with governments, with civil society to achieve um, those uh, goals and targets and, and data really is a, is a key part of that. If, if everybody counts, we should count everyone and that's a really important message when we're looking at rights and choices. Yes, and that mission or your motto is that to fulfil the promises of uh, uh, the, the future careers for youth around the world and it's a huge undertaking. Um, one of this is uh, health awareness education campaigns around the world. And I've noticed that one of your key um, 
media is educational films and short films. So tell me about some of those campaigns where you used uh, short films in your campaigns in around the world or in the relevant countries. And uh, if we can choose one example, the gender-based violence and the FGM problem and challenges around the world, uh, there are two particular films, uh, short films from Rand uh, Jaralla and Sarah Al-Jamal that you uh, produced and showed around the world, I suppose, uh, to raise awareness of this. So tell me about your particular choice of short films as a medium. Uh, yes, well, uh, visual arts and short films are an incredibly useful and important way of getting your message across uh, in a world where there is a lot of information flow, whether it's through TV or social media or, or print media. Um, there is a lot of information out there, so you do need to kind of um, fight above some of the, of the noise, and visual arts is one way of doing that. But it also helps to tell stories um, uh, in a way that captures the imagination of people. Um, and also, we in particular, UNFPA, we use short films to uh, provide a platform for people's voices to be heard. And that's what's really important to us, actually. So we have a combination. Some of our films will focus on individuals and their stories, um, and others will be a bit more hard-hitting to try and get a message across. So we have a, have a balance of those. And the two that you've picked up on are, are very interesting, actually. Um, UNFPA's work with Sarah Aljamal recently, um, she had a launch in Toronto in July or June, I think, and then in London we had a, another launch in Shoreditch of three short films she's put together that focus focus on the individual story of three women in Ethiopia who underwent female genital mutilation and how they are champions to end the harmful practice. Local champions, and that's Local very important. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And Sarah Al-Jamal is yeah. an uh, Egyptian-Canadian um, uh, young film director, and she went out to Ethiopia to film this. Um, and they're very beautifully shot films. It's Indeed very they are. artistic. Yeah. Um, but it really tells a story of um, these advocates to end FGM from the women's perspective. Um, they use uh, fashion as part of it as well, so there's a colour scheme to each of the three mm -hmm. stories. Um, but it's really about these women and their stories, and that, I think, is very powerful um, in helping to uh, end what is a really harmful practice. And this seems to be a, a trend in your uh, in the films that UNFPA produced, uh, the visual uh, potency, the strength of the images, as well as the, the content. And these are films that are made with high production qualities and telling very personal stories. And that uh, reminds me of another film you made about unsung heroes, The Yemeni Midwife, in the short film who travels to uh, war-torn areas in an escalating crisis in, in Yemen. So t tell me again about the inception and, and how you commissioned this film. Well, Yemen, as you know, is facing a huge crisis at the moment, a huge humanitarian crisis. And UNFPA um, works around the world. We train midwives um, uh, to go into uh, humanitarian spaces as well as in peaceful settings. Um, and this particular midwife in Yemen, her story in the film is how she um, treks quite long distances between villages. She knows where her patients are, where pregnant women are, and she will go and visit them. She will spend a day or two moving from village to village. Um, and she really is the one who is saving lives um, in, uh, in Yemen. 
Um, we know that there are huge complications that can arise from births that do not have a skilled birth attendant or a midwife. And mortality. Uh, and mortality, yeah. yes, uh, exactly. Um, uh, issues like fistula, obstetric fistula, hole in the birth canal, um, that can be very easily avoided by a skilled birth attendant. And this, this woman um, in Yemen, this midwife, she will travel long distances to visit um, her patients and make sure that they can deliver safely. And that's a crucial part. UNFPA um, ran a Safe Birth Even Here campaign, and this film was one of the films that we used as part of that campaign to promote um, that refugees or women in crisis are still menstruating, um, still having sex, still giving birth, and that actually whilst food, water and shelter is what most people see as a primary um, need, which is, you know, they are necessary, but also sexual and reproductive health is just as life-saving. Um, and so it's been important for us to try and make this case. Um, and it was only a couple of years ago when UNFPA managed to secure our clean birth kits and dignity kits as part of the first response in any humanitarian crisis. And the clean birth kit is, is incredibly simple. It's a, um, a plastic mat for the floor, a pair of latex gloves, bar of soap, a cloth to wrap the baby in, um, and then a, a razor blade and a tie to cut the umbilical cord. So very, very basic, very simple, but it can save the life of both mother and baby. And this is exactly what the film shows about the midwife in Yemen and how she is saving the, the important. There's a health education and a promotion message there that is actually, yes, it's not... Uh, terribly expensive, but as you rightly said, it's life-saving. Uh, so you used uh, th that uh, accessible medium of short films, but along with that, you've used theatre and, and, and theatre production, theatre plays. And I'd like you to tell us a bit about the, uh, the short play uh, that uh, supported or highlighted the, the, the problems and the trauma facing uh, rape uh, crime s survivors in Bosnia. So t tell us about that uh, experience. Yeah, so um, this theatre play from Bosnia and Herzegovina um, was focused around conflict-related sexual violence. Um, and we know that 20 or so years after the war there, the stigma and discrimination against survivors of war rape is still extremely high and is possibly increasing as well. And this uh, group of predominantly young people came together and um, produced a theatre play. We know that there are lots of conferences and seminars that happen and we found that there was empath fatigue um, in Bosnia and Herzegovina around this. So a theatre play was a very innovative way of trying to tackle um, these very serious issues. So that this theatre play um, focuses on uh, the community level um, and societies um, to really sort of get the message across about the, the impact um, that stigma and discrimination can have on survivors of gender-based violence or sexual violence. And it's interesting in that particular play that it's uh, the actors in the play and the audience were men and women of various ages. And that's important that you, you use uh, the messages in a theatre play or a film to reach out to a wide sector of the population. Absolutely. It's really important that these conversations are intergenerational. And that's exactly what the play could do. So it isn't just about performing the play, it's then having the conversation with the audience. Um, and you're absolutely right that in the we've got this documentary film of the play where you can then see the audience engaging in a sort of a Q&A session afterwards. Um, and the questions that come from the audience are from younger people and older people, from men and from women. And it's a really uh, innovative way of trying to engage people on these issues and to try and break down those stigma and taboo that so often surround an issue um, if it's not talking about.
Absolutely, and, and, and you've, you've managed to put out a convincing uh, story and a, and a convincing educational me- message. And I remember that we uh, uh, shared this in, in an event at the, uh, the Royal College of Obstetrics, Obstetricians and Gynecologists we did, uh, yeah. back in May and the, their celebration of the International Day for Action in Women's Health, where that particular film raised a lot of uh, discussion about the importance of using artistic and creative tools to engage and reach out to uh, audiences, and particularly locally and internationally. Um, I would like now to move to, again, uh, other short films that uh, UNFPA has produced, uh, exploring the young girls and young girls' career uh, aspirations and options. And, and in Romania, was that the film in Romania? Yes. Uh, this was for yeah, a girl on a mission. Uh, adolescent girls adolescent. in humanitarian settings. Yes. Um, and this, uh, this was a particular um, area I was very interested in working on. Um, UNFPA, um, as we've talked about, does a lot of work in humanitarian settings. Um, we train midwives there. We get the clean birth kits and the dignity kits out to girls there but quite often in humanitarian programming adolescent girls are overlooked and underserved and I really wanted to try and shine more of a spotlight on the needs of adolescent girls because everyone's needs are not homogenous so with some other partners at Wilson Park and the Children's Investment Fund Foundation we uh, pulled together to host a, a conference to bring together a number of different people from different parts of the humanitarian sector to really focus on how we can start to to make changes in the humanitarian system, which is quite a big system, to really try and get a focus on adolescent girls. And as part of that, um, I wanted to make sure that young people's voices were heard in the event. And there are challenges in having either minors fly out or refugees in particular, they will lose their refugee status if they if they get a visa to travel. So one way around that was to make to use video as a way to bring the voices of young girls into um, this event to really show what they wanted for their future. So commissioning that event, um, uh, my colleagues filmed girls in Palestine, uh, Palestine Jordan, Iraq, Somalia, Libya, uh, Yemen uh, and other places and it was really a positive film actually about what they wanted for their futures and what they wanted to be when they grew up um, and bringing that level of positivity from the 10 year old girl um, was very powerful there's one that particularly stuck in my head a young girl who uh, wanted to be a pilot not so that she could travel the world but so that she could rescue women and girls from other places that have seen conflict just as she had and that really struck home actually um, the reasons why she wanted to be a pilot and her hopes for the for the future. And that was a very positive message because, uh, uh, in spite of the harsh circumstances, that these were uh, young girls were supported to progress their academic aspirations and and supported with the efforts of the local humanitarian programs and so forth. So, um, amazing work around the world you're doing. Um, I know that you do a lot of. Uh, uh, career uh, fairs around the country. How can undergraduates, particularly for uh, listeners to medical humanities, uh, medical students, junior doctors who want to be involved in global health and global medicine, how can they engage with your programs? Uh, what initiatives, what qualities you're looking for? How can they support your mission? 
Well, certainly if um, any of your listeners are based in uh, countries where UNFPA runs programmes, I'd certainly encourage them to, to get involved in those. There's a lot that happens um, predominantly around the Global South, as I mentioned. Um, UNFPA also, we've talked some about some of the social media campaigns, but we do quite a few of those. So uh, in f- around February time for Valentine's Day, we usually run an I Don't campaign it focuses on ending child marriage so rather than I do it's I don't and this is about empowering um, young girls to say no to say no mm. and to stand up for their their rights um, for themselves and at the moment we have a campaign which is um, using the hashtag I March for and this is very much focused on the Nairobi ICPD 25 summit I mentioned in November um, and I'd encourage um, any um, health professional um, or health student to, to look at that on social media and to do their own short film um, of why they are marching for women's and girls rights so they can be part of that movement. Fantastic. Thank you so much this is quite an extensive portfolio that is a uh, relevant as today as it was 50 years ago. So thank you very much, uh, Matt, for this uh, panoramic and narrative and, and, and important information that I think a lot of our listeners would uh, really find a way to connect with and engage. So thank you very much, Matt. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Medical Humanities Podcast. Stay in touch by reading the journal or our blog online just follow the links in the episode description. We're also on Twitter at medhams underscore BMJ or find us on Facebook. Facebook.